Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. So we're in 1 Chronicles chapter 21. This is, um, this is quite a passage of Scripture, and we're going to go right into it, and then I'm going to begin to build and bring definition. Cody, thank you so much. And now Satan stood against Israel and moved David to number Israel. And so David said to Joab, and who is Joab? He, he is the commander of the army for David. He said to Joab and to the leaders of the people, Go and number Israel from Beersheba to Dan, and to bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, and he said, May the Lord make his people a hundred times more than they are, but my my Lord, my King, um, are they not all the Lord's servants? Why then does my Lord require that this thing be done? And why, why should he be uh, a cause of guilt in Israel? Are you seeing there that Joab is getting a red flag in his spirit? Anybody seeing that? He's getting a red flag, and it is, it is blinking high caution. And nevertheless, at the king's word, uh, the king's word prevailed over Joab, and therefore Joab departed, and he went throughout all of Israel, and he came to Jerusalem. Then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to David, and all Israel had 1,100,000 men who drew the sword, and Judah had 470,000 men who drew the sword. But he did not count Levi and Benjamin among them, for the king's word was, an ab- was abominable to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing, and therefore he struck Israel. So David said to God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I pray, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. And then the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, the seers were the prophets. They were prophet seers or seer prophets. And and the Lord spoke to Gad. He said, go and tell David, saying, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. And so Gad came to David and said to him, thus says the Lord, choose for yourself either three years of famine or three months to be defeated by, the, by your foes with the sword of your enemies overtaking you, or else three days the sword of the Lord, the plague in the land, with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now consider what answer I should take back with him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Please let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are very great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. Wow. So the Lord sent the plague upon Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. And God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. As he was destroying, the Lord looked, and he relented of the disaster, and he said to the angel who was destroying, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And then David 
lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven, having in his hand a sword, a, a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. So David and the elders clothed themselves in sackcloth and they fell on their faces. How many would say that's an appropriate response? Notice where the angel was standing. It says it, the angel was standing between earth and between heaven. He was standing in the sky with a sword drawn over Jerusalem. This is a powerful scripture. Are you with me tonight? And David said to Gad, was it not I who commanded the people to be numbered? I am the one who has sinned and done evil indeed. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, O Lord my God, be against me and my father's house, but not against your people that they should be plagued. See, that, that's the voice of a true leader. That's the voice of a true shepherd. Therefore, the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And so David went up with the word of the Lord to Gad, uh, of Gad, which was spoken in the name of the Lord. And now Ornan turned and saw the angel and his four sons who were with him hid themselves. But Ornan continued threshing wheat. Verse 21. So David came to Ornan, and Ornan looked and saw David, and he went out from the threshing floor, and he bowed before David, his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar on it to the Lord. You shall grant it to me at full price. Everybody say full price. You shall grant it to me at full price that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. But Ornan said to David, take it for yourself. And let my lord the king do what is good in his eyes. Look, I will also give you the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing implements for wood and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give it all. Listen to David's response, verse 24. Then King David said to Ornan, but I will surely buy it for the full price. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord nor offer burnt offerings, that which cost me nothing. So David gave Ornan 600 shekels of gold by weight for the place, and David built the altar there to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and the peace offerings and called on the Lord, and he answered him from heaven by fire on the altar of burnt offering. Wow. Fire from heaven fell. And so the Lord commanded the angel, and he returned his sword to its sheath. At that time, when David saw that the Lord had answered him on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, and he sacrificed there. But the tabernacle of the Lord and the altar of the burnt offering, which Moses had made in the wilderness, were at the time at the high place in Gibeon. But David could not go there before to inquire of God, for he was afraid of the sword of the angel of the Lord. 
I want you to let your eyes fall upon verse 24. I know this has been a very long extended passage, but we needed to go into the depth of this story tonight. Ornan offers David everything for what he needs to sacrifice there at the threshing floor. But David's response, the king said to him, no, I will surely buy it for the full price. I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor burn offerings that it should cost me nothing. Thank you, Lord. How many would say that this is a very radical portion of Scripture? This is very, it's a wild, wild, radical, fascinating story that I actually desire to see in Blu-ray Technicolor when we're on the other side. And maybe you'll be with me at movie night that night. I want to talk to you, if you're taking notes this evening, I want to talk to you about obedience, and I want to talk to you about sacrifice and what does it really cost. Obedience and sacrifice, what does it, what does it really cost? Cost Because when you start talking about cost, about things, uh, people get the willies when you start talking about cost right away. How many of you know that? Uh, How how many of you know that? Have you ever went shopping and looked at a tag and was disgusted by it and just threw the the shirt back on the rack? You saw the cost. Yeah, 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 that's right. It's amazing. We, We live in a generation right now that is so transfixed, so obsessed, so obsessed, so possessed by a spirit of entitlement that they want everything for free. And we have leadership rising up that says, we're going to give you everything for free. You think that's going to do us any good? Everybody pinch your neighbor, say it's going to be okay tonight. I want to talk to you tonight about obedience and sacrifice. What does it really, really cost? I, I, I have to tell you, if you're, if you're warming up to the idea of running with this church, I have to tell you, if, if your heart is warming up to going the distance with this, this place that's called Victory, a church of his presence, I, I have to tell you the good news and the bad news and the ugly truth, <laughs> it's actually going to cost you. It's actually going to cost you. What happens at victory will cost you. You, you. At some point, you will have to take ownership. At some point, you will have to take responsibility for what is happening, for the, the transactions that are happening and the deposits that the Holy Spirit is releasing for a vision of revival and a vision of outpouring to a city and an entire region. And I will tell you, it does not come cheap. There is a vision that the Holy Spirit is imparting to us, and he is, he is summonsing us. He is giving us an invitation to what he desires to do throughout this region, and we have a strategic role to play in partnering with the Holy Spirit in this hour for the state of Florida and perhaps even beyond. How many of you believe that? See, with this cost, I I have to tell you straight up that you cannot coast on the faithfulness of others. You cannot coast on the faithfulness of others. 
You can't coast on the giving of others. You, you can't coast on the prayers of the faithful others. Can you hear this tonight? You can't be on the team if, if you never show up for practice. Y'all know that? Yeah, y'all know that? You can't be on the team if, if you actually don't show up, right? Does that make sense? You know, when you're in sports, you, you have to show up. You have to show up early. You have to leave late. You have to put in the time. You have to lift the weights. You have to run the drills. Um, you have to put in the mental preparations. You have to do the lifting, the heavy lifting. Are you hearing this spiritually? You got to do the sweating. You got to do the fixing the mistakes. You got to continually go over the assessment of development and learning, right? No one just shows up and you're just given kind of a, a complimentary jersey so you can kind of walk up and down the sidelines with a ball in your hand looking like you're on the team. You actually have to make the team. Are you all okay tonight? I, I hope you're okay. It actually requires sacrifice. It, it actually requ requires commitment. It actually requires diligence and faithfulness. And I said before, and it's when you start talking about the cost of things, and I'm, I'm, I'm just beginning our journey tonight because we're, we're going into an in-depth story, and it's, it's this obscure thing because right now you're going, where's Brian really going with all of this? Wow, we, we have read a mega portion of Scripture, and, and man, he's really meandering. Just trust me, I, I'm not lost. Trust me, I'm not lost. Now, I don't know where this is all going to end up. Only the Holy Spirit knows that, but it is good. I've said you've been out times, you've, you've picked up a hat, you picked up a pair of sunglasses, you picked out a pair of shoes, you, you picked out a dress, you picked out a shirt, but then you, you turned around the little tag that was hanging off the side, and you, you turned it around and you looked at, at, at the cost. Have you ever seen somebody... Uh, in a retail store that just scoffed when they saw the price and just, you know, almost just threw it back like they didn't even want to touch it. That's, that's kind of like how I was when I first walked into Tommy Bahamas when we first <laughs> moved to the city. And I walked in there, and I was so excited because I just I wanted to buy 10 shirts immediately. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? And then I turned it around, $155. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> get that off my hand. <laughs> are you kidding me? Crazy. I would never pay that kind of price. It's funny. I, um, I, people will say to me, Brian, oh, that's such a nice shirt. Oh, my gosh, is that new? And it's funny because I, I wear clothes. I wear shirts that are like 15, 16, 12, 10, you know, years of, you know, of age, you know. And people will say, oh, my gosh, that's so nice. And Victoria's here. She knows that we've. We've taught our children to do this. My wife and I have always done this. Anything that, that we buy, we speak a blessing over it. We always speak a blessing over it. Whatever we buy, we pray over it and we say, Lord, help us to keep this like new. What, whatever it is, Lord, help us to keep this like new because when you speak to us to give it away to somebody else, we want it to be like new. Are you getting that? You want to speak a blessing over it because, it, you know, God will, you've heard this. God will get it to you if he can get it through you, right? Have you heard that? God will get it to you if he can get it through you. You don't want to pass on junk to somebody. You want to pass on something you've taken really good care of. Are you hearing me tonight? We're talking about the cost tonight. We're talking about sacrifice and obedience tonight. I, I've told the story before of the, 
the, the young man who went out um, to buy some perfume for Mother's Day, and he's like, hey, I'm, um, I'm looking for a nice perfume bottle, but can you give me something a, a, little, a little cheaper? And so she brings out the perfume, and he's like, how much, how much does it cost? And he, she, she says, well, it costs $75. He's like, no, 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 that's way too expensive. Can you show me something else? And so she brings out a, a, another perfume bottle and says, here, here try this. Try, oh, I, mean, I, I love that. I love that. How much does that cost? Well, that, that one's $50. Oh, that, that's way too much. Can you show me something else? The ladies, lady at the desk is getting frustrated, and she brings out another little bitty perfume fragrance and says, well, we'll try, try this one. And and so he, he loves it and says, oh, man, that, that's fantastic. H- how much does that one cost? And she says, $25. He's like, my gosh. He's like, can, can you show me something cheap? And she pulls out from underneath the counter a mirror and turns it for him to look into. <laughs> what does it cost? What does it cost? See, every one of us measure this all the time in incremental things of our life. We measure the cost. We, we measure the increment of our time or, the, or, or our, our investment or where our monies are going. We're, we're always watching the cost and, and measuring what it's going to do for us or for our family. I, and I, I've spoken about this before. I remember when Victoria was much, much younger. In fact, before we ever... Before we ever moved to Sarasota, uh, we were living up in the Midwest, and uh, I was in my office uh, working one night. I was at, at my desk, and it was before we were to tuck the kids in, and uh, Victoria was about three years old at the time, and um, she was on our treadmill, and she was just kind of dangling on the treadmill, the, the bar that goes across, you know, and she's just kind of dangling there and letting her feet dangle, and I'm I was kind of studying and reading, and I was just kind of checking on her. And she let herself d- dangle, and then she just she just went really strong and did a full pull up. I mean, just I mean, just a full pull up. And I went, "Wow, okay, she got my attention." And then a couple years later, we had moved down here, and we put Victoria in gymnastics, and it, suddenly she just she excelled. I mean, she really excelled. The coaches were. Really excited about Victoria. They were they were courting me and Bren. Look, we need to take your daughter under our wing. She has incredible potential. We can coach her. We can sow into her. Well, what did we do? We said, well, what's it going to cost us? And the cost was the amount of the time. It was it was three to four days a week. We were pioneering our first church at that time. And Bren and I knew the cost was too high. We can't do that. And we made the decision to pass. You all understand that. You all understand what it means to discern the cost on something. This is a, this is a very wild, obscure passage. It's one, of the, it's one of these passages that just makes you scratch your head and go, whoa, what in the world is going on here? And before we go any farther, I, I want to set something in place because in verse 20, in, ver, in chapter 21, verse 1, it says, Now Satan stood against Israel and he moved David to number Israel or bring them into a census. David wanted to know how many fighting men that Israel was going to have. But notice it was Satan that was setting up an ambush against David. Now, why is this such a big deal? Now, and I have to set this into the foundation tonight 
Because God had given David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, you need to put it in your notes tonight. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, God had told David, he said, I am not going to allow you to build a house, a temple for me, because you are a man of war. You're a man of warfare. You're a man of bloodshed, of high bloodshed. I'm not going to allow you to build my temple and my tabernacle, but I'm going to build it through your son. And then God goes on and he tells him, I am giving your son a promise of rest. I am giving your son a promise of rest because of the power of your warfare of dealing with, this is a prophetic type of Christ and his church. For David, what you will do is you will establish the throne of your son, and because you will finish that warfare for Solomon, he will enter into a day of rest. And you know what, folks? Pop quiz. How many days of warfare did Solomon have during his reign? That's right. Y'all passed. That was good. But what was happening was is that the enemy was trying to sabotage David by fear. And God was angry about it because the enemy was trying to ambush the promise of rest so that warfare would go on into another generation and sabotage Solomon's rule and reign and war would be his story. And what was happening is the enemy was trying to trump him with fear. Are you with me tonight? Now, this is a strange story. How many of you think this is, a, this is a strange story that the prophet Samuel would actually close his book to in the story of David? The, the author thought that the story revealed something important about David, but I, I will tell you, the prophet Samuel especially thought this revealed something to us about the heart of God. Because in the end, see, David had learned something about obedience and sacrifice. He had learned that worship and offerings and sacrifices to God, they're not about meeting some need that God has. Do you know what we did in the last hour in this building was not because God is in such need of it. Are you hearing this? But David realized it was, a, it, was, it was about something far greater. It was something that we need to do as a sign of our alignment unto God and an alignment of repentance of our own hearts, giving ourselves in obedience and sacrifice unto God. See, David's great sin was that he, he had ordered the census to be taken. And what's so wrong with that? I mean, what is so wrong with the census? I mean, for goodness sakes, there's a book called Numbers in the Bible. How many of you all know that? The, the book of Numbers is named after a census. But the problem is this. See, David wanted Joab, his commander, he wanted him to take a census to bring the number of fighting men Available. Satan was trying to spoil the promise of rest. Going back to the word that was given concerning Solomon. And the enemy thought, if I can do it, I will ambush it through David, who I've given the promise through, and I will cause this thing to be a catastrophe and even a train wreck for him when he's, when he's dead and buried. That, that I will perpetuate that level of warfare against Israel and Solomon's reign. And thank God it never happened. 
Are you with me tonight? David was a fighting man. He was a man of warfare. He still had warfare in his blood. He still had a fight in his DNA. Are you hearing me? And the enemy was plotting against the word of the Lord. Mm. Wow. The census wasn't just to satisfy David's curiosity about the size of the population. He wanted to know about fighting men. What is he doing? He's taking a draft registration. That's what he's doing. This is about warfare. David is is making now a decision out of fear, and guess what? God's not having any of it, and it's bothering him. You okay? Are you still coming with me tonight? Are you still coming with me? Are, Are you courageous enough? He's getting ready for a military draft. That's what's happening. God didn't like it. God was upset. Why was God upset? We have to answer that question. Why was God upset? Because God had prophesied and given a promise of rest. Wow. So what is wrong with this picture? David is now forgetting the lessons that he learned. The lessons that he, he learned. Have, have you ever forgotten about the lessons that you've learned in the journey walking with God? We've got five honest people in the church tonight. Have you, ever, have you ever been on the journey long enough that you started forgetting some of the mega lessons and seeds that the Holy Spirit showed you, dropped into your life, but through the journey it got so intense that you lost sight of the gold of that which God had deposited. I've done that. Have you done that? I've done that. But now he's at a place where... He's forgotten what he's learned in fighting against a lion, fighting against a bear, fighting against Goliath. Um, I will go a step further, fighting against a demonized, terrorized Saul, King Saul, when he was a young man. And the lessons that he had learned over and over and over that the Lord was the one who goes before him in battle. The lesson was this, is that our strength does not lie within ourselves. Oh, can I remind you? Can you actually hear that again tonight? Can you hear it again? Our strength does not rest and lie within ourselves. Our strength is actually the Lord that is within us. It is Christ in you who is the hope of glory. Your strength, Brian's strength, is not in himself. Your strength is not in yourself. And he was saying all along, David, I taught you, I showed you with the bear, with the lion, with Goliath, with Saul. Your strength is not in your own hands. I am your strength. I am your strength. Wow. God had proved to David time and time again, it doesn't matter how many men that you have, you have me. You have me. Exodus 14, in verse 14, it says these powerful words. It says, I am the Lord your God who fights for you, and you shall hold your peace. Somebody needs strengthened tonight with this word. It is the Lord your God who fights for you. It is the Lord your God who fights for you. You need to take this promise tonight to the bank. That check will cash. Hallelujah. God says, I'm leading you in your kingdom into rest, David. I'm leading you in your kingdom into rest. 
and I'm going to give you victory over all of your enemies. I'm going to give you victory over all your enemies. We're not just romancing history tonight. God is saying over every child in here, I'm going to give you victory over all of your enemies. I'm going to give you victory over all of your enemies. You're going to possess your spiritual heritage. You're going to possess your territory. You're going to possess your territory. You're going to possess your promises. But God is angry, and he's saying, David, don't mess with my plan. Do not mess my plan up. So David is planning a military draft. And what does it mean? It means that David is actually trusting in the the might of Israel rather than in God's strength. Are you tracking with me? See, you got to see this, folks. Unfortunately, Israel was becoming at that time just like every other nation. I'm going to say that again. Israel is now becoming just like every other nation. They were the called out ones. God said, you are my set apart ones. You will be a holy thing unto me. I've set you apart unto myself. But unfortunately now, Israel's just like all the other nations. They're ran on human power. They're ran on human structures. They're ran on human systems. They're ran on human resources. And now they're ruled by a human king. Israel was supposed to be a different kind of nation. They were supposed to be ruled over by God. And God had to give them a a vice regent, so to speak. It was God's presence that had to go before them to fight their battles. The story teaches us so much tonight. So much. There's a shift here that we have to begin to trust God in our own plans. And this is a temptation. I believe it's a temptation that every Christian actually faces. And I I believe it's actually a temptation that every church begins to face. Because do you know what? There's a lot of churches from Carolina to California that don't even need the Holy Spirit to do what they do. You know why? Because they're rolling in their own strength. Wow. So now we're back in the story, and it's 2 Chronicles 21, and I'm going to begin to read out of verse 9. Are you there? Verse 9. And then the Lord said to Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. I want you to choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. So God goes to David and he said to him, thus says the Lord, choose for yourself. God's angry. He's he's ticked. There's either going to be three years of famine. David, you pick. You choose. There's going to be three years of famine or there's going to be three months of defeat by your foes with the swords of your enemies overtaking you, or else three days of the sword of the Lord, the plague in the land, with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now consider what your answer shall be to him, or that I shall take back to him who sent me. Wow. And, and David's response is, is amazing. Three, three years of famine, uh, three months uh, of your enemies chasing you by their sword, or three days a plague. And so David surprises us here and he says, Oh God, listen to this. Oh God, I, I would rather be at your mercy than the mercy of humans. Y'all seeing that? 
Basically, he's saying, oh, God, give me anything but number two. <laughs> oh, God, give, give me anything but number two. Are, are you kidding me? So God sends a plague. Wow, it's powerful. The angel begins to move across the country, and it says that 70,000 people die. And when the angel of death now comes to Jerusalem, God, it's, suddenly God is moved, and it's like he has a soft spot. In the place of his heart, as he comes to Jerusalem and God holds up his hand and he says, now, in the name of love, you've got to stop. You've got to stop. Enough is enough. The death angel now stops at this mountain that would one day become the temple that Solomon would build, the tabernacle of the Lord. Are you tracking with me? You've got to see this. Why would we go the distance? Why would we go all this way tonight? Why would we start crawling through this massively obscure passage? Because... God was dealing with something, how his house would be built and where it would be built. Are you with me tonight? Solomon would have to build this place in rest and out of peace. Mm. Wow. I want you to look at the words where it says that the threshing floor, what is it? The threshing floor of Ornans, it is a place of both harvest and judgment. It is a prophetic picture to us of symbolism. It's where the grain is separated, that wheat is separated from the chaff. Everybody knows that the threshing floor is what? It's where they would throw up the wheat and the chaff and they would separate it. God was separating this place unto him to represent both harvest and judgment. And I see it like this. I see it you jump over to the New Testament, and I see the plague is this, and Jesus is in the garden with Peter, and he tells him, if you want to pick up that sword, you're going to die by that sword. David, what, what do you really want? Do you want the blood of the sword? You will reap death. But if you want peace, I'll show you a greater way. Are you with me? So David comes to the top where Ornan is threshing the floor. He bows down to David, the powerful king. David has now come, and he, he makes this offer, and, and Ornan is so excited to see him. It says that he bows to the ground, and if you read the words, he says, David, I, I've got everything right here for you. I, I've got the oxen for you. I've got all the wood prepared. I, I will actually give all of this to you. And it leads us to this amazing moment where God is listening. This is a very powerful prophetic moment that God is listening to David's response. David, I've got everything here for you. You can take the wood. You can take the oxen. You can have everything that you need. I will give it to you. I will provide everything that you have need of. And then David says these words. He says, oh, no, no, no. Verse 24, I will surely buy it for the full price. I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings with that which costs me nothing. He says, I will pay the full price. I will pay the full price. you got to hear this tonight. We're talking about sacrifice. We're talking about obedience. And we're talking about what does it really cost. The offering is not really that... God is needing supper. You all know that? God, God, God wasn't, you know, hungry for the oxen that night. Remember that? 
It was about the heart. It was about the willingness to sacrifice something of his own as a sign to God of saying, God, I'm giving you my very self. I will sacrifice of myself. I will pay the price. Hear this tonight. I will pay the price. I will align myself. I will give myself fully to your purposes. It's amazing to me, and I want you to write this down tonight. David looked for a way to make a sacrifice to God. David looked for a way to sacrifice to God. Why is this so is so important? Because in this hour, there there are many people that are looking for a way to keep from making a sacrifice. There are many, 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 many people running away from making any level of sacrifice. Many people that are running away from the true cost of what it will actually cost to host the presence of God in this very region and in this city. It is okay to just do church, nominal church. Come in, come out, have an hour service. It's not what we're after. What we're after is actually apprehending the invitation of the Holy Spirit of hosting the very glory and the very presence of God because once that land was consecrated by an altar that David would erect to the Lord and he would cry out to the Lord and call for repentance unto God, God would hear that cry from heaven and he would actually thunder fire from heaven to light that altar and that land became set apart you got to hear this tonight that land would become set apart by the holy fire the very essence the very presence of God that God said I will rest here I will rest here and it took a man who was able to take responsibility with God. You hear it in the heart of the shepherd. You hear it in David. Oh, oh, God, it it was my fault. It wasn't these people's fault. Don't deal with them so severely. Let it come upon me and my household. I love David's transparency here. But it was a divine courtship between God and David what was going on. I'm telling you, that is still happening in this hour. There is a divine courtship where God is asking, do you really want my presence? Do you really want my presence? Do you really want my fire? Do you want a place of habitation set apart unto me? My answer is yes. Yes, God. Yes, God. I'm going to say it again. David looked for a way to make sacrifice unto God while many people in this hour are looking for a way from making a sacrifice. I have a question for all of you tonight. Maybe you want to write it down, but I have a question for all of you. It's a probing question. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus without sacrifice? What does it mean What in the world does it mean to be a follower of Jesus without sacrifice? It's an oxymoron, folks. Jesus has called us to a life that cost our life. Jesus has called us to a life, literally, in his own words, that you have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross and follow him. That's Bible, folks. That's not Brian's words. That's Luke 9.23. It's the words of Jesus to literally deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. 
And there's so much to that cost. It's amazing when you start talking about costs. I mean, people are just thinking you're talking about money. Are you kidding me? I mean, your tithes and your, and your offerings, that, that's just the beginning. I'm talking about investing your life. Sacrifice that costs us something is what actually makes a real gift. Sacrifice that cost us something is actually what makes a true gift. My, my wife and I, we have a friend, her name is Abby, and she was, a, she was a missionary in Mozambique. And she told us this story one Christmas there in Mozambique, and she was down serving with Heidi Baker, and one of the little boys there <clears throat> brought her a, a beautiful seashell for Christmas. And as soon as she saw it, she knew that the shell had come from miles and miles and miles away from a beach on the other side of Mozambique. And Abby said to the little boy, she said, oh, you, you shouldn't have gone all that way. You shouldn't have gone through all of that trouble just going to find the seashell for me. And the little boy's response was this. He said, oh, Abby, that's just part of the gift. I don't know what that does to you, but when you go the distance, it's just part of the gift. When you go the distance and when you start sacrificing and giving of yourself, it's just part of the gift that we are returning in exchange for the goodness of God, of, of Jesus laying down his very life for us. How could we not lay down our lives and give Everything to the King of Glory. Wow. Sacrifice is part of repentance. Sacrifice is part of repentance. See, if, if Ornan wants to pay for the gift, then it's no longer a sacrifice. Y'all get it? It's pretty easy, right? Y'all got that. If Ornan wants to pay for the gift, it's no longer a sacrifice. It, 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 let me say it to you like this. If the, if the government decides to start funding our church, <laughs> uh, all that we would do would no longer be an offering unto God. I said this at the front of the train. Some of you heard me. Some of you didn't. But, but I will tell you, we're in the midst of... A, a, of a mega enemy right now that's not even camouflaging itself any longer or hiding in the dark of socialism, uh, uh, of, of a generation that is so obsessed with itself, that is so possessed with the spiritual, the spirit of entitlement that they want everything free and there is no sacrifice or cost whatsoever and life can just be grand. I'm going to tell you right now, that ain't going to work out good. And I'll tell you what, I was so thankful, I was so thankful when President Trump thundered in the State of the Union address not, not many weeks ago when he said, America will never be a socialist nation. I want you to listen to the words of Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. 
It says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins and rescued us from this present evil age. Everybody see that? Who gave himself for our sins. You see, you see the obedience? You see the level of obedience? You see the level of sacrifice? You see the level of cost? that It cost Jesus giving up himself. Giving up his own life willingly to take and literally become sin. When Paul writes about Jesus, we, we, we go to the scripture so often here in the, in the life of victory, but when he writes about Jesus, he literally says, he who knew no sin, he became sin so that we might become the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But you got to see these words, Galatians 1. It says that Jesus, he gave himself. Remember the, remember the words of Jesus, says, nobody takes my life from me. No, no, nobody can take my life. He says, I have the power to freely lay down my life, and I have the power to take my life up again. This commandment have I received from my Father. Now you imagine the empowerment. When did that happen? That happened in eternity past before Jesus ever came to the earth. When he stood and he vowed, he was the lamb slain. When? Before the foundations of the world. It wasn't just some idea that they had to scrap together and make a plan in heaven while the earth become a mess. <laughs> what are we going to do? No, 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 no. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And when Jesus stood before his father, he was empowered by these words, no one will be able to take your life. You have the power to freely lay it down. I want to tell you tonight, you have the power to lay your life down. You have the power to lay your life down. You have the power as well not to do that. You have to choose. Then you read in Galatians 2, if you go another page, Paul writes these mighty words that I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh or the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, and, and listen to the next words, and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ. He lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. He gave himself. He sacrificed himself to the obedience of the Father with joy. Jesus laid down his life. And you go to Ephesians 5. Paul writes on in Ephesians 5 and verse 2. He says, Christ loved us, and he gave himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Don't you miss the scripture tonight. You put it in your notes. God loved us and he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice unto God. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to stand here and act like I understand it. I'm still trying to apprehend how when we lay our lives down, 
as we follow the very example and the life of Jesus, that it becomes the most beautiful fragrance of worship unto the Father. What we do in here for the first hour as we gather, actually the first hour that we gather here is in total prayer. And then we jump into this building in the first hour. In here is worship. It's not a preliminary. You all know that. You all know the DNA of this house. When you come in here as a living sacrifice unto God, when you put your flesh aside, when you put the indifference of life, when you put the hardship and the pressure of your life upon the altar unto the Lord, it becomes a sweet fragrance unto God. And there is something so attractive about that fragrance to God that God says, I want to dwell in that. I want to dwell in that. It's just, like the, it's just like the high priest that went in and took the incense upon the burning coals and would drop that incense, which represents worship, being poured upon those burning coals so that incense would arise in front of the, the, the most holy place where the veil was there. But that last piece of furniture before you would, you would slip beyond that veil into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant rested was the altar of incense. And they would take that powder, that incense, and they would pour it over hot burning coals. And, and you could just see that arising before the Lord. What was it? It was a picture of the perfection of worship. And Jesus is the perfection of of worship that went up before Father God and was perfectly accepted as our sacrifice. There is power in laying your life down. My friends, I'm telling you the truth tonight. I knew this was not a message that people were going to run around the building or swing from the lamps tonight. I'm telling you, there is power in laying your life down. There is power in contemplating the cost of giving yourself to follow Jesus, giving yourself fully unto following Jesus. But there is something else that I want to get at tonight, and it is about the corporate level of the calling of God to a church for this region. You cannot coast on the obedience of others. You cannot coast upon the obedience of others. You cannot coast upon the prayers of others. You can't coast on the giving of others where others can go forward and sacrifice. No, I want to encourage you. This is what God has called you to. There's a grand eternal reward. See, I'm closing, and some of you are really happy. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. There is a real courtship going on. God is hungry to apprehend cities. God is hungry to apprehend cities and entire regions. That doesn't come to a people who are lazy. Oh, it does, nothing just happens. It doesn't come to people who are just lazy or complacent or they're just good with doing light church, spiritual gymnastics. Are you with me? 
Are you with me? Now, I'm not calling you lazy. Don't hear that. What I'm saying to you is that what we are after comes with the highest cost. God is calling this church into a whole nother level and a dimension of the power of prayer. God is calling us to a place of epic friendship with God to host His presence for this city and this region. It's what He's after. I've said this many times. A mentor in our life would say this over and over. Where there is worship, there will be a throne. And where there is a throne, there will be worship. What we are about is about building the throne of the Lord. And what does that mean? Let me give you language for it. To build the throne of the Lord means we build the seat of authority for the Lord's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven to be here in Sarasota and for this region. It comes with a cost. Just like David could not go and buy that threshing floor. He couldn't just take it for free. He had to pay the full price to buy the field, to separate it unto the Lord. And you know, it was never, David, he spent the, the last season of his life putting everything together so that Solomon would have all that he needed, riches, every amount of materials it would cost to build that. But it wasn't his to build. Because God had promised a day of rest was coming after the warfare that David would accomplish would be ended. Solomon would enter into the day of rest. And what happened in that day of rest? See, when, when, when your warfare has been ended, guess what your inheritance is? You get to stand and minister and worship unto the Lord. All the days of your life. Who wrote the words that I will dwell, I, I will dwell in the house of the Lord my God all my days? That I would rather be a doorkeeper just in the house of the Lord than to be anywhere else. It will require what we're talking about, it will require all hands on deck. The people to receive the invitation from the Holy Spirit. This isn't something fleshly of a pastor who's just trying to recruit people that, hey, we, we need people to mop the bathrooms. We, we need people to put toilet paper. Th th no, we're not talking about just the practical necessities of life. And you know what? All that has to happen. We're, we're talking about a summonsing of the Holy Spirit and an invitation saying, I have a vision that I want to release to a region, will you be part of it? As for me and my house, my answer is yes. So tonight, kind of in the spirit, if we will, you can set your Bibles aside. I just want you to <laughs> turn the, the price tag over and take a good look at it. And may tonight be a night of consecration that you would say, Lord, Whatever you would ask of me, may I be a man that's willing to give it. Lord, may I be a woman that whatever you ask of me, I would be willing to give it. 
I, I would be willing to rearrange my lifestyle. I would, I would be willing to rearrange my time. I, I would be willing to rearrange my prayer life. I would be willing to rearrange my bank accounts, God. I would be willing to rearrange my relationships and even my friendships. I, I, I would be willing to, 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 to disengage myself from carnal relationships so I can pull in closer to the Lord. Price is going to be different for all of us. But Holy Spirit, tonight I pray for your wooing. Cody, would you come? Holy Spirit, I pray for your wooing. And I, and I pray, Holy Spirit, Lord, I, I know that you have been seeding, seeding, Lord, the people of God beyond what I've been able to convey and express through this message tonight. And Lord, I know, I know you are according the hearts of men and women, God. And Holy Spirit, I pray for faith to come alive within these hearts that obedience and sacrifice can be readily accepted to say, God, here am I, send me, here am I. Here am I, God. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.